0: Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest on Thursday with your co-host Hayward Evans and Eddie Rye. Uh, we have uh, Representative uh, Jesse Johnson, who represents the 30th Legislative District that I identify with Federal Way, Washington. And uh, uh, he went in as one of the youngest members of the state legislature and he's still young. So Representative Johnson, thank you for taking time out to uh, speak with us today because this is going to be a real unique legislative session that's going to be done virtually. So for the uh, folks of our listeners that don't know much about you, would you just take a couple of minutes and share your background uh, with uh, our listening audience that are familiar with Representative Jesse Johnson? Yeah, more than happy to, thanks for having me on. Um, so I represent
1: the 30th District and uh, have been in this position now for 11 months um, and I'm glad to have been elected this past November. Uh, I was previously on the Federal City Council, so I come from a local perspective and I'm also a local educator. I spent uh, seven years as a high school college and career counselor in the area as well. What
0: high school was that at, sir? Uh, both Garfield High School in Seattle and uh, Highline High School. Well, no, I'm going to say what school because I'm a I'm a, a, Hall, a, Go, a Garfield Golden grad. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. I'm a bulldog, too, uh, so I, I just wanted to hear you say that. And uh, <laughs> yeah, on Federal Way City Council, how long did you serve on the City Council Federal Way? Uh, two and a half years. Uh, and I understand that you defeated a uh, a uh, Trump supporter to win that seat. Is that right? That's right. It's a two-term
1: in, uh, Republican incumbent. Uh, I was happy to, to beat him and, and get on the council.
0: And uh, so this upcoming session, uh, in terms of your legislative priorities for your district and for the state and for your people, what are some of the uh, proposals and legislation will you be advancing to cure some of the ills that we have? Well, definitely for me, it's, it's starting with progressive
1: revenue. Like we want to make sure that we're maintaining and even expanding services and not having an austerity budget. So what that means is we're going to have to pass um, some progressive revenue. And for me, that make, making sure that we're not impacting working families, but those at the top that have a disproportionate share of the wealth in this state. And uh, so I'm excited about that because that's going to enact us to be able to do some of the bold action that we need to do this year around economic justice, criminal justice reform, education, housing, healthcare. But for me personally in our district, I wanna increase apprenticeships for our young people so they can go into some of these high demand jobs in the STEM fields, in the trades, and in the med field. Uh, I also wanna see us tackle police reform this year. I've been a co-chair of the police leadership team for the past seven months, and I'm working on a police tactics bill, uh, use of force de-escalation bill, and a community oversight board bill to enhance transparency and accountability in our law enforcement system.
0: And in, in addition to that, sir, you are now uh, a member of the advisory board for the MLK Gandhi Empowerment Initiative. This is uh, gonna be, and I know you joined because one of your objectives is to make sure these opportunities are made available for our folks. And uh, th- that will be uh, a commitment has been made to train 2,400, uh, 2,400 people uh, uh, African descent of the United States enslaved to be very specific. Over the next two years, in that digital, uh, uh, closing the digital divide. So I know that's I, I go, that goes that complements what you're already doing with the apprenticeship program. So it'd be something on both sides. And uh, I guess uh, you know the next six or seven months look like everything's going to be virtual. Have you heard had any feedback on how soon things can go back to normal? Or I, I'm just looking to, listening to Dr. Fauci. And he doesn't seem to be that optimistic until about, I guess a a vaccine might be here by May or something like that. Yeah, what
1: I'm hearing is the same. It's probably gonna be the spring for a vaccine that's widely distributable. Um, I know that there's been six hospitals in our state that have been selected to uh, be distributors of the vaccine once it gets here. So I think the Pacific Northwest is gonna be a lead in this effort across the country. Um, But I do think it's um, it's gonna be a little while. And even when it's distributable, it probably won't be until next fall or winter where we feel safe going back out uh, like we did before. So uh, I anticipate this is going to be in a long haul, and we're just going to have to kind of keep going as Washingtonians, keep keep up the fight and,
0: and really protect our family and our loved ones. I want to see if my co-host Hayward hey, Evans has a question or a comment for you, Representative Johnson. Hey, Representative Johnson, first, thank you for being here today. I know how busy you are right now getting ready for this upcoming session. Mm-hmm. And uh, Eddie alluded to it, How how is that going to work? So it's all going to be Zoomed in or how are they going to do the votes?
1: <laughs> it's a great question. And I can tell you it's evolving every day. We just had our caucus advanced this week to learn about what it's going to look like. Um, we are going to be virtual, which means we'll be on a, a, a platform like a Zoom or Microsoft Teams when we're at, on the digital floor, so to speak, doing votes. In a way it's going to enhance transparency because we are now going to be remote testimony, remote uh, advocacy. There'll be more people tuning in from our communities without having to drive to Olympia. Um, however, it's going to be different. It's going to, uh, you know, it's going to take longer to pass bills virtually. And so what we've been told from our leadership is expect to have a lot less bills being passed this year um, because it's just more time with the technological um, issues that arise when, you, when you're virtual.
0: Has there been any pushback about uh, raising the taxes? Hey, let me. Now I hate to interrupt you right now. We have uh, Congressman Bobby Scott on the line with us, Representative uh, Jesse Johnson. That's a, a brother I want you to meet by phone. Can you put uh, Congressman Bobby Scott on? Hello, Congressman Bobby Scott, Eddie Wright, and what hey, Evans. How you doing? I'm doing great, and we also have uh, Representative Jesse Johnson from the Washington State Legislature.
2: I've been listening to him, and a lot of stuff he's saying, and a lot of stuff we're working on um it, it's, it, he's uh, he's right he's right on time and uh our, our state legislature in Virginia is going through the same uh, dynamics he's going through it's uh, tough uh and um uh, just procedurally it's uh, it's uh, it's tough but we we're, we're doing what we can i know they've got state and local um uh revenue problems and one of the things in a um uh, a stimulus in a, in a covid relief bill is that we have been pushing the need for state and local uh support uh since the beginning. I mean the the, the state and local they can't balance their budgets and if uh, if the only way they can uh, I mean they can't go into deficit, they got to balance the budgets and uh, the only way they can do that is either fire people or cancel contracts and let the contractors fire people. I mean you know it's a very little other than that and and with high unemployment the last thing you need is a major uh, employer like the like the the state of the state um laying people off i mean that, that doesn't mm-hmm. make any sense plus uh people who are uh, in a pandemic you need more services not less so you need more workers not not uh, not not fewer so um I, uh, representative johnson we're trying we're trying and i and and also like your support for apprenticeship we we passed uh an apprenticeship uh, bill in uh, in Washington the Senate, probably acting like they're not going to take it up, but it would provide for a million apprenticeship opportunities, apprenticeships, youth apprenticeships, and expand not only the, the building trades where they're usually done, but expand the number of uh, uh, types of occupations. You mentioned health care that, um, uh, that can benefit from apprenticeships. Um, and, you, and you talked about uh, police reform, the George Floyd uh, Justice and Policing Act, the House passed, and, and the Senate. That's why the Georgia is so important, because if we can pick up those two Senate seats, we can actually uh, neutralize the damage that uh, uh, McConnell, Leader McConnell is doing by uh, not even holding hearings, not bringing bills up, not even letting people consider them. And uh, police uh, accountability is obviously, obviously one of them. But, I, but uh, I, Eddie, I've enjoyed listening to uh, Representative Johnson. He's uh, um, he's right
0: on target. Well, Congressman Scott, I want to ask you did, you: did you get a chance to see your MLK Gandhi Empowered Initiative uh, uh, information that was sent to you? I've, I've been I've been in, in meetings uh, all day. In I know constant I know. for the last um, uh, two
2: days. So I haven't had a chance to read um, read read anything other than. The speeches I was given, or the um, or, or the or the meetings I've been in, uh, it's on the top of the list to do either tonight or tomorrow night.
0: Okay, well, uh Representative Johnson is on the advisory committee. As a matter of fact, Angela Rye joined the advisory committee today in the MLK Gandhi Empowerment Initiative, and uh, we're working with some uh, uh, some of our brothers from India and sisters who are involved in the tech uh, uh, companies around the Seattle area uh in leadership positions and they've committed to train 2400 uh descendants of the african-american slaves in the next two years and uh, so a lot of stuff because of black lives matter uh people are beginning to see now if you just have something for all minorities i have nothing against anybody else but if it's not targeted for us it will not get to us so i'm glad these uh brothers in the tech industries around here uh who are, have the you know from from india and uh they're committed and they even have their kids tutoring our middle school kids. So we have a good relationship. So I want to see if uh, if Representative Johnson had any comments or questions for you, Congressman Bobby Scott. All right. Well, thank you,
1: uh, Congressman Scott, for being here. And I, I followed you a little bit. I got to say my wife's from Virginia Beach or grew up there. And, and so uh, it's, it's great to have someone from Virginia and the BMC down there, the Black Members Caucus, is doing great work at the state level. And I'm actually modeling my community oversight board. A uh, bill in Washington State after the Virginia model. So um, great work happening down there in the state of Virginia. Um, but my only question really is, just as you mentioned, this post-COVID economic recovery. How are we uh, utilizing a racial equity lens to tackle some of those deep-rooted systemic issues and race racial equity across our country um, as we're thinking about these issues from a federal standpoint?
2: Well, to a large extent, uh, we have to make op- if you make opportunities available. Uh, generally uh, we're going to benefit and if you kind of skew it skew the formulas to low-income we're going to get a disproportionate share the education money for example that uh, came down through the CARES Act was distributed using a title one formula and meant it went mostly to the low-income students uh, low-income schools and so would be picking up a disproportionate amount of that. We've got money in there for school lunches. We're, we're, we're disproportionate. It's not just for us, but, um, uh, you know, we'll get a disproportionate share. Um, uh, other things you can do, like raise the wage, uh, increase the minimum wage, um, uh, Seattle is way ahead of the rest of the world on that. Uh, but uh, to help the rest of the world catch up, if we can increase the minimum wage, obviously um, uh, those at the lower end, going uh, are going are to benefit and uh, we would disproportionately benefit uh, i've introduced in the House passed the pro act protect the right to organize if you 're in a union uh, not only are you making more money and getting better benefits, but you're also in a situation where there's where there's equal pay for for for, for equal pay for equal work uh, there's not you know the blacks gets paid. For the same job, you get paid the same as whites. Women get paid the same as men. Is equal pay for equal work? Uh, so uh, making it easier to join a union, uh, access to uh, college. Uh, too many young people, particularly in the low, low income part of the scale, are calculating they can't afford to go to college. Well, that that is a that's a new phenomenon, because when uh, when, when when Eddie and I were going to college, if you could have, if you could get in. You could, you could, you could afford to go. You might get a Pell Grant, might have to work 15 hours a week, but you could afford to go and come out with virtually no debt. Now you can work 40 hours a week and can hardly uh, afford to go out, uh, go, go, go to college without crushing debt. And that that um, means a lot of young people are not being all they can be academically because of money. When President mm-hmm. Johnson signed the uh, Higher Education Act with Pell Grants and everything in it, he said essentially admit that any student in any state could go to any could could apply to any college and not be turned away because the family is poor and that's when the Pell grant covered about eighty percent of the cost of going to college, and that costs but covers about thirty percent well we need to we need to do something about that, and the uh, college affordability act is what what we're aiming at there ending discrimination if you've qualified for a job, you shouldn't uh be robbed of your opportunity just because of discrimination so we got to enforce the uh discrimination laws that are on the books and there's one there's one area that we need a lot of work on <clears throat> and that's housing opportunities housing ownership opportunities that's where most middle class families get most of their um their wealth through equity in their homes and the the truth is gradually being told there are several books I mean, uh, that that are, that are out uh, in the last couple of years that show the complicity of the federal government in discrimination in um, in home ownership opportunities. The GI Bill, was uh, when, uh, after World War II, uh, black GIs didn't have the same opportunities as others. And the federal government would actually um, uh, finance uh, subdivisions that were racially exclusionary. I mean, they had... Uh, open and notorious discriminatory policies. Blacks couldn't couldn't take advantage of it. So all those opportunities and all that equity in homes and all that family wealth was available to some and not others. And we need to make sure that uh, people have opportunities to start building wealth. There's a lot of things that we can do to deal with um, a wealth disparity, um, and, and as well as um, start enforcing some of the uh, discrimination laws. And we need to At least be going in the right direction. Uh, Let me me, uh, introduce a couple of years ago, uh, where where they're showing that segregation in public schools was as bad as it is in the 1960s and getting worse. Mm. Well, you know that's not going in the right direction, and this administration hadn't been helpful in doing anything about
0: it. Congressman Scott. Hello. Oh yeah, Eddie. uh, Have we been joined by Shade Moore?
3: Hey, this is Shadi.
0: Okay, Sade, uh, Congressman Bobby Scott, uh, she knows Representative Jesse Johnson, but Shade Moore is uh, the chair of the Seattle and Martin Luther King County organizing coalition that sponsors a rally in March every year. And she's on today because she's a secretary of the Central District Community Preservation and Development Authority. Uh, we start some gentrification right in the heart of the area. It was formerly the Seattle Opportunities Industrialization Program brought back to Seattle in the 60s by Reverend McKinney. So I just wanted to make sure that that Shade Moore had a chance to meet Congressman Bobby Scott <clears throat> uh, over uh, the, the Zoom wave, so to speak. So uh, uh, how much time do you have, Congressman Scott? I got a few minutes. Uh, okay, you know, I want to say, shot one a. Of
2: things that One of the things we put in those um, uh, COVID relief bills, and one thing that's going to hopefully be in the next ones, is um, uh, job training money. Uh, we have figured out that uh, of people who've lost their jobs About 7 million, it's estimated maybe more, are not going to have a job to go back to because either the the, the business is downsizing or the business went out of business. 7 million will be looking for jobs, and we need to make sure that the job training opportunities are there, like like the apprenticeships that um, Representative Johnson talked about. But um, uh, job training and uh, the – I thought I heard – was it OIC that um, um, Ms. Moore is involved in?
0: No, it was that the building was formerly OIC? Now it's okay. the, it'll it's built. This will be called for in uh, honor of Reverend, uh, late Reverend Doctor Samuel Barry McKinney, the McKinney Center for Community and Economic Development. Well, and it's, it's a, the same it's thing. It's Getting
2: people jobs is 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 and and you don't do that for free. We need to make sure we're making the investments. Well,
0: we'll make sure we come back and see if we can get some of that federal money for federal way and for the uh, the Central District Community Preservation and Development Authority. You hear that, eh? I sure do. Uh, are you involved
2: in the uh, Workforce Investment, um, the WIA boards?
3: I don't I don't believe I am.
2: Okay. The, the, when we divide up, when we send out job training money, uh, most of the money goes to the Workforce Innovative Opportunity Act, we call them WIA, supposed to have uh, boards where their locally, uh, local responsibility is to find out where the money ought to be going for job training, what jobs are available, um, what, what the need is um, with the uh, population, and you make those determinations locally, uh, the jobs available in Montana aren't going to be the same jobs in Chicago and Norfolk, Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, those boards are, have a significant influence over where the money goes. Uh, so you've got to d- identify them and um, make sure they're doing the right thing. And a, lot, and a lot of that money can be subcontracted to um, to other organizations. In, in in our area, the community colleges uh, get a lot of um, uh, get a, get a lot of play because they have uh, a lot of short-term programs, six, twelve, sixteen weeks, where you can learn where you can learn at least a beginning skill, like a beginning welder. Uh, you can learn enough health care to get into a program for uh, for nursing. Or something like that, but your income just starts off uh, 25, 50, 100 percent more than what you were making, and these little programs cost a uh, thousand to three thousand dollars. And uh, you've seen the reports that say that most families couldn't come up with four hundred dollars. Um, um, you know, in, in an emergency, they'd have trouble coming up with four hundred dollars. So you charge a thousand to three thousand. You might as well set a hundred thousand for for what they can afford. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the um um the board, the WEA boards the job training uh, programs are actually subsidizing that uh either 50 or 100% so that people can take advantage of those programs and so that's been um that's something we're doing in Virginia and it's been it's just getting sorted out and it looks uh, like it's going to be very successful
3: that's excellent yeah um the CDCPDA is is um obviously looking to adopt a similar model Um, but um, we do have quite a bit of ways to go and uh, Eddie is very much well aware that um, we I want I don't want to say we are just getting started Uh, the work has been ongoing but you know since the adoption of our board um, and our executive team as well as some collaborations with community members and organizations um, it's just a matter of um, you know, bringing the facility back to life, which is one of our number one uh, goals at this time, um, which, again, is going to be, you know, the 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 platform for, for housing all of these wonderful um, opportunities um, to bring back businesses and, and various education models to the black and brown community.
2: Well, you talk about bringing back businesses, a lot of businesses, you know, things like restaurants and small businesses, a lot of them When you start them, they're they're very speculative things to get into. I've heard a restaurant, half of them don't last two years. Mm -hmm. That's in good times. And you start closing them up every couple of months and uh, keeping them closed uh, during the pandemic or or open them up, but you can only have half the people you usually have. Uh, A lot of these uh, small businesses are going to go under. Uh, The PPP kept a lot of them afloat. Uh, The PPP program kept a lot of them afloat, uh, but we've got to come back with some more money. uh, Otherwise, a
0: lot of them are just going under and not coming back. Representative Johnson, are you still on? Okay, he's on. Okay. All right. Well, uh, Sade, do you have uh, any other questions or comments for, for Congressman Scott?
3: I don't. I just, um, you know, at some point in time, I mean, obviously with the way things are right now, um, looking forward to just, you know, um, partnering more and uh, hopefully we can, you know, put our heads together um, or work through Eddie to put our heads together um, to, you know, continue to uplift and and rebuild. Well, we're going to try
2: to pass another stimulus package. Uh, people keep uh, complaining that, um, you know, the the money is not far apart. And why can't you just split the difference and help some people? Uh, mm-hmm. The problem with the uh, negotiations isn't the money. It's the policy. Because if you don't get the language straight, you don't know what you where you spent the money. And some of these guys are trying to spend money on things that um, it just it wouldn't, would not be done. The speaker publicly said there's one... During one negotiation, she asked, what is this $10 billion to the Department of Agriculture? What is that for? And the answer was, at the secretary's discretion. He's going to make it up and and fund all his programs he wants without any legislative oversight. He's going to lavish money on his friends and political associates without any guidance at all? Um, the, the speaker Pelosi said, "I don't think so. Uh, we got to do a little better than that. I know we've got. We've, I've got some uh, military construction projects in my district that got defunded because the president took the money in, to build his uh, border wall in Mexico. Well, if you don't have the language straight, you don't know what you funded. Um, they had uh, Secretary DeVos took some money for private schools." And uh, we had money in there. As I said, we aimed the money at low-income students, and for low-income public school student, was getting about a thousand per, per. For each public school low-income student, they were getting about a thousand to two thousand dollars. For each low-income private student, private school student, they were getting about thirty-two thousand dollars. Well, you know, if we don't get the language straight, they, that's what they're going to do with it. Um, so we have to make sure the language is straight uh, on 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 job safety. I have been I have been complaining since uh, since since this winter about the fact that there are no since this pandemic began there are no enforceable regulations under the Occupational Safety and Health Administration OSHA, and no enforceable regulations to protect workers from COVID 19. They have some little unenforceable guidelines, and that that's. It makes about as much sense as putting up a speed limit and putting a little word under it, unenforceable. Well, you know what, what, what good that speed limit is doing. Well, that's, And we've been telling them to, um, to try to do something. So in the, in, in the HEROES Act uh, we, we, that we passed, we put a mandate. You have to come up with some enforceable regulations to protect workers from COVID-19. Uh, by the time the, the, the language that came back, was it was so watered down that there would be actually less protection than we, than we already have, less protection. And for states like Virginia that actually have some protections, uh, make those unenforceable. They're enforceable now. Make those unenforceable. Then they want to do this liability thing where uh, if you can prove that you got infected because of a business owner's negligence, you know, I mean, if you cause an accident, um, uh, you pay. You driving down the street. You you, you mess up. D- didn't mean to, but you were negligent. Y- you owe the damage. What they want is if you can prove that your uh, medical bills and lost wages because uh, were a direct cause of you getting uh, COVID-19 because of the negligence of 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 uh, of your employer. They want the employer. Right now, and nobody's been able to prove that, by the way, that, that I'm aware of, uh, because you've got to prove that you got it on the job, not on the way to work, not at the bar to two weeks before. Um, uh, but if, if you can prove it, then the employer's got to cover your lost wages and, and medical bills. What they want to do is give them immunity, which not only makes the innocent victim pay all, of, pay all the bills rather than the person responsible, it removes the... Um, the incentive that the employer has to be careful. If you want immunity, just be careful. If you're careful, you're not going to be negligent. Uh, but, but this language like that that they try to sneak into this thing um, that is causing, uh, causing all the problems, not the money. And, and it takes time to try to negotiate and try to get the stuff, uh, the bad stuff, out of the bill. And they keep coming back every time they come back with something, there's something worse coming in. And it's not just the money that's holding this thing up. There's there are a lot of uh, language things that have no business in the um, 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 in, in a, in a relief bill. We just, the easiest thing to do would be to just say, okay, we got the CARES Act. That seemed to have worked. Let's just put some more money on all the line items. And you may agree or disagree with the money, but let's just split the difference and get the money out of Washington. Well, we can do that. But when that's start trying to change the policy, and sneak uh, some um, new policy in there that's going to be uh, that's going to adversely affect the workers. Um, and that's when 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 the thing gets slowed up. And so we're trying all we can. We talked to uh, and told uh, Rep. Representative Johnson we're trying to get some state and local money. The Senate didn't want to do any, uh, but um, uh, they can't um, uh, they can't provide the services and uh, w- without some without some so some help uh we're trying to do some job training money for all the people that are losing jobs. Uh obviously we got to do health care. There's uh there ought to be enough money um in there to um uh, so that anybody getting a vaccine gets it for free. Uh and let let me tell you what the and one thing that does it means that the priority who gets the vaccine first isn't a matter of wealth. Um, uh everybody gets prioritized based on their um uh situation if you, if you're uh healthcare care worker probably first in line, old people like me and Eddie, um, we, we'd be next in line, uh, nursing homes, and I, I and, and let me just tell you one group that's going to have anybody lobbying for them, but they've had outbreaks in prisons in jails where they're locked up all up on top of each other, uh, guards coming back and forth um, uh, in, in the prisons and back out in the community. People get picked up for drunk driving, they're in the jail for for, 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 for a couple of days, and then they're back out. Uh, you don't want um, uh, situations where you've got a lot of people um, uh, infected all in one place uh, in your community. So that's something that's going to be – got to figure out what what you're going to do with
0: them. Uh, you I'm gotta, I want to see if uh, – has uh, Rita Green joined us yet, Eric? on the line oh uh, uh, uh and you've also Sheriff, got school, I mean,
2: you've uh, also you know that. to uh, to 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 worry about if they you're going to make them go to school uh you got to have some kind of protection because they get infected at school and then bring it back to the family uh so there, there's a lot but but one thing if we if we pass a covid relief bill the, the vaccine ought to be free so it's not who can pay
0: okay congressman uh, we have uh, the chair of uh, the Washington, Oregon, Alaska NAACP on the line. Her name is Rita Green, and I think I shared some information with you about what's happening in the city of Seattle. So, uh, Shadi, are you still on? I am. Okay. Well, uh, Rita Green, are you on? I am. Well, the House Education Chair of the ed- the Chair of the Education and Labor Committee, Congressman Bobby Scott from Virginia is on the line right now. I've since shared some information with him, and uh, 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 Rita Green can give you like an update, sir, if you have time, we certainly would appreciate it. Uh, Yeah, I'd like to, and uh,
2: um, just let uh, Rita know that I was a branch president um, uh, just before I got elected to the state house, long time ago, and uh, as a matter of fact, while I was in the state house for two years, I was the branch president, of the NAACP, and I've been to just about every um, national convention. I don't think I've met, yeah. missed one in the last twenty-five years.
4: Yeah, and I met you at our convention in, I think, Baltimore and Philadelphia a couple years back.
2: Too. Okay, I've been. I've, I remember going to both of those. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, what's up in
4: Seattle? So, in Seattle, our superintendent Denise Juno, who came out of Montana has just been doing a terrible job as it relates to students of color. Um, She has pretty much attacked our ethnic studies program, of which the NAACP brought the resolution forward and got the Seattle Public School District to adopt a similar resolution in 2017. We started working on that program then, which included um, our African-American males, et cetera, and once she came on board, she has pretty much decimated it, has made us lose a full year and a half. I'll say we're basically going to lose this year, too, so two years of it. Um, she refused to meet with the NAACP. Um, now, when I pointed that out, that that is part of her evaluation of engagement, then um, now she wants to meet, but when she meets, she's unprepared it's just it's a lot of detail but the gist of it is is that she has removed a lot of the black males from leadership positions in the district and brought some back on that have no decision-making authority on the youth council we had a lot of students on there but most of them have quit because they said that she didn't value them and or their opinion again they felt that they were being used and that it's a checkbox for her. Um, In terms of our systems, she fired the CIO and demoted the position, which is why we got a bad start when it came for COVID for our children, because the person who's there now is a nice guy, but he just does not have the skill set that the previous person had. So there's a lot of damage that she has done within Seattle Public Schools and we are definitely not wanting the board to renew her contract, and they vote on that December 16th. And um, she claims Indian, but even the UNEA, which is a Native group, she has ousted them from the district and has tried to prevent people that have had relationships with them within the district from working with them. so she is just all around not a good person.
2: Uh, what is she, What are the numbers on Achievement Gap? What would have happened to those under her leadership?
4: So the g- gap has not improved. The discipline issues continue. We have had... When you say
2: discipline issues, you're talking about disproportionate, uh, disproportionate discipline? Disproportionate
4: discipline issues. We have had over 300 you, calls. You
2: said, you said disproportionate uh, discipline where blacks get... More for black and brown students, as same, well as black
4: offense. and brown educators too. Our educators are disciplined, like five times as much as white, and the same as what our students are—five times more than white students. Um, we've had over 300 calls to police, which resulted in um, 40 arrests. My, thing we are having police called on elementary students. I mean, this is unacceptable. And we need to have discussions to rectify that as well. And
2: elementary students.
4: Yeah, so I spoke to one mom. Her son was 10 years old, and the police was called on him. The teacher called the police on him two hours after the incident had occurred. So these are the things that are um, occurring in. Seattle Public Schools under her leadership. We've had more. We've gotten lawsuits. I've spoken to a couple of parents that have pending lawsuits. I've spoken to one mom who just won a $300,000 lawsuit against the district, and um, we, we just have got to fix this. Is that is that public information? Yes, it's public information.
2: Um, Annie, can you get that uh, information to me, uh, the details that that um, uh, lawsuit?
4: Uh, yes, absolutely. I can, I can that, get it to Eddie.
2: Yeah. As, ma- as a matter of fact,
0: uh, I think that uh, Rita Green has your uh, your email address. Your, no, uh, I
4: don't have the right email address.
0: No, I'll send it to you. Okay. I, okay. okay. Um, just
2: get it get it, get it to Eddie, and he'll get it get it to me. Okay. What are the um, Education Association, the local um, National Education Association affiliate? and the uh, American Federation of Teachers, uh, Mm -hmm. local affiliate, what are they
4: doing? So I know that the PTSA, some of those members are not in support of her. I have been in touch with SEA, which is the Seattle Education Association, and have not gotten good remarks um, from her, have not been in touch with the AFT or um, NEA.
2: Uh, get in touch with them, because if they're not support, her name is on several lists for Secretary of Education.
4: Unfortunately, yeah.
2: And um, uh, if the uh, local National Education Association affiliate and the AFT affiliate have problems with her, mm-hmm. um, that uh, information needs to be uh, known to their national organizations.
4: Okay. I will
2: get in touch with them. Good. Uh, Eddie's um told me about the um um people that lost their jobs when she came in.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: So um, right. and, yeah, just, and just, what just, I'll
4: just, say, you just know, get, um. Get to that openly is that Make sure
2: we got enough information so that um um you know, we can we can deal with it if we have to.
0: Yeah, there was right. uh, uh, two articles I sent you, Congressman. Uh, one was in the Washington Post and one was in the uh, New York Times regarding uh, two Native American tribes that filed discrimination complaints about her office when she was a superintendent of public instruction in the in mm-hmm. the state of Montana. And obviously the Seattle School Board did not care or didn't do their due diligence, or maybe they made a deal that she's going to come in and fire all these black folks. It's well, one or another, but I think Leslie Harris was the chair of the board at that time and is yeah. still making excuses for it.
1: Yes,
4: and so they used an agency, and so I have called into question the agency that they used because given the article and the issues that were happening in Montana, she should have never even been on the list to have been part of the interviewing process. Uh-huh. And um, to be transparent, I did support her when she originally came here. I thought she was going to do some really good things, and she has just turned out to be a dead, and so... That is a mistake that I made um, in supporting her.
2: Okay. Well, uh, just to make sure that uh, Eddie gets information, uh, because um, um, the more organizations that have formal positions um, are helpful. What you know, trying to tell somebody, well, somebody told me this or somebody told me that, mm-hmm. is, is not as helpful as the state NAACP has taken a position in opposition. Right. Oh yes. Okay. okay good 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 well we okay. we, we, we we' still uh we we've got a lot of work to do and in, in terms do. of education money we're trying to send the money where it where it can make the most difference um we have got to deal with the achievement gaps the pandemic and this distance learning thing. the ones who are achieving well uh tended to do okay when it um uh with the um Distance learning. Those at the bottom of the achievement gap seem to be doing the worst.
5: So yeah. the achievement
2: gap has gotten gotten worse. A lot of people have just not learned at all. I've seen some uh, studies that show people actually have been regressing. And so I think our first decision for education is what are we going to do with the summer? Uh, my view is, you know, we're doing we're doing catch up. We can't. We don't do summer vacations when we're no. in a catch up mode right and um and that's going to that's going to cost some money and I, I, I don't think we can just tell people cancel summer vacations and and spend and add a couple extra months to your school calendar I, I don't think we the federal government can tell people that without a check attached to the notice
4: mhm
2: and so yeah. uh, we're going to we we've got a lot of um a lot of consideration but uh, this this um education deficit has um um, and the one thing I've, I've agreed with um, uh, Betsy DeVos on uh, some, some um, a lot of school divisions ask for waivers on the assessments. Um, uh, you know, say, well, it's hard. It's hard you know, we got and, and she wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. She would not give any. She would not give any leeway. Now, obviously, you can't do as good a test situation as you could if you had all the students sitting up in a classroom. But she would not give waivers, mm-hmm. and 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 if you gave the waivers, then you wouldn't know how bad it is. There you you go. got to right. do the testing to have some clue as to how far behind and who's behind, and right. so you know uh, where to put your resources. And so that's the one thing I've agreed with um, with the secretary of uh, of education, and not. Okay. Well, look, waivers.
0: Congressman and Rita, we are out of time, and Congressman, okay. I certainly appreciate. You and I got to have you on more frequently because you really give us the nitty gritty about what's happening and how to get involved and get engaged. But I want you to make sure you look at that MLK Gandhi Empowerment Initiative when you get time, because we will definitely be needing some support from you. And uh, Rita's doing an outstanding job, Congressman. So we'll let you know that she has been in the forefront and some of her own folks have attacked her for doing it. And she's standing up for all of our people. So thank both of you very much and be speaking okay, with you soon. thank you. Have a great day. Okay. All right. All right. All right. 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 Thanks. Thanks for having me. Give me a call When, when you need me again. Okay. Then Congressman Scott, thank you very much. All right. Take it easy. Okay. Then we're going to take this break, Gary, and I guess we'll take one at the end too.
5: Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the Port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at PortSeattle.com. Org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com.
6: Why sit in bumper to bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill in the University of Washington, or south to Columbia City Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress.
5: No other station delivers this much variety. Alternative Talk 1150.
0: Hayward Evans and Eddie Ride back at uh, Urban Forum Northwest just had a very lengthy conversation with Congressman Bobby Scott, who is a chair of the House Education and Labor Committee. And as he just mentioned uh, with that interview with Rita Green, that uh, a lot of folks have to go through him to get appointments in various educational organizations and in the Secretary of Education. Our next guest is also an educator. His name is Jesse Hayes Fourth. Jesse is the president of uh, the Red Tail Hawks Flying Club in Seattle, and does a lot of work with the youth program. And they have a big event coming up on Saturday. So Jesse Hayes, Hayward Evans, and Andy Rye here. Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest. And tell our listening audience about some more of this good work you're doing for the young people. I'm glad glad to um, be on the line. Uh, Thank you so much. You got an event coming up. Tell us about the event that's happening.
7: Oh, okay, yeah, sure. We, we've got the Future uh, Trust Awards uh, online. Uh, normally it's in person, but obviously uh, under the current circumstance, we are doing a Zoom session at uh, 5.30 uh, on Saturday. Um, need need to register, and you can uh, find the event link on uh, Facebook. At, um, just look for the red Tail Hawks um, Flying Club on Facebook or red Tail Hawks uh, BTA and um, it should pop up pretty quickly
0: now tell our listening audience that don't know about uh, the flying club exactly the kind of work you guys are doing and i think the last time we had you on air, you were trying to seek funding to to buy your own airplane because you're having problems uh, being put in the back of the line for the students to go up and learn how to fly
7: absolutely you know what in spite of the uh the pandemic uh, it's been a bang up year for the Red hawks Uh, we have continued to uh serve uh, the and the uh, underserved and, and the underrepresented um, to uh, show youth um, um, uh, a, a a pathway into the aviation industry. We uh, use aviation to uh, enhance the STEM they're learning in school, and uh, and if they are interested, we help them learn to fly. But at the end of the day, there are lots of careers in the aviation industry, and and uh, we are underrepresented in all of them. So. Uh, we um, introduce them to everything uh, throughout the year. Uh, and so um, so yes we are we are uh, in the middle of a campaign. we call it the 1100 campaign and um, we are looking for a thousand individuals to, to give us a hundred dollars or a uh, hundred companies to give us a thousand dollars so that uh, we can um, move forward with our equipment purchases uh, next year. We've been doing pretty well, actually. We are we are eighty percent, eighty percent towards our goal. Uh, so, um, if folks uh, you know, have it in their hearts here at the end of the year to uh, help us get over the finish line, that would be absolutely wonderful.
0: Well, tell us a little bit about uh, the, how many students have you trained? Where do they go? How long does it take? Um, some of the listening listeners might want to have uh, an interest to. Uh, Get their youngsters involved, or they might be listening themselves. A young person, uh, is there an age limit? Whether prerequisites to get into the flying club to actually get in a cockpit?
2: Right.
7: So the truth of the matter is, you're never too old or too young to, try to become a Red Tail Hawk. Uh, but we do have some age requirements for some of our programs, and so for the youth program, we really are looking for students who are age ten or in the sixth grade. Um, and, uh, you know, through high school, right? Um, and we really focus on help, helping them learn the basics of pilot knowledge because we firmly believe that pilot knowledge will help them you know, no matter what career field that they choose. Um, when they are of age, meaning uh, 16 years old, uh, we um, will put them into one of our summer flight training programs and 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 help them work towards having the knowledge and the skills to solo an airplane by themselves. Um, and that, at that point, it becomes a little competitive, you know, just because of limited funds, quite frankly. Uh, if we had funds for everybody, we, we would take care of everybody. But, but the ones that do the best uh, are are awarded uh, scholarships to go on to earn their um uh, you know, private pilots license and uh and this year we've actually been blessed with what we what we call the uh Jasper Harris Junior um scholarship and um and so we, we actually have a another stream of funding that, that's coming in to uh support our college students. So when they leave the youth program and they go off to college, as long as they stay connected to the Red Hawks, we're gonna do what we can to help them continue their learning um in college. So
0: Witness. how many of the uh, red tail hawks uh, students that you've taught how many of them uh, have actual pilot license um, so, uh,
7: so so that's, 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 a, that's, a, that's a good question I, I put it this way uh, we've been at it for um, five years um, and uh, in that five years we have produced um, Nineteen individuals with with uh, some kind of pilot certificate so some some of our, our earlier students have progressed all the way through um a certified flight instructor right and and so they're out making a living as as an instructor uh we've had We've had a couple others that um, um, that joined us um and have instead of becoming an instructor, have decided to go the commercial route and are now flying uh, for for airlines. Um, and so uh, so um, um, so that's you know that that's the gamut. We have several that are in college right now, right, uh, who are uh, private pilots and and they're working on their instrument ratings and their commercial ratings and those kinds of things. Um, I want to see if uh, our kids the most most our hey, kids would- at this
0: point. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I just want to see if my co-host, Hayward Evans, had a question or a comment for you. You know, Jesse, I'm so proud of this program. I mean, cheese and crackers. You ought to be just, I mean, just, I'm just ecstatic. Now, what about some of the older people? You you were alluding to there might be something for older students, say, in their 30s or even older. How could they get involved? Uh, Is that possible?
7: You know what? You know what? Uh, you know all things are possible. Uh, like I said, you're never too old or too young to become a Red Tail Hawk. You know, the folks that come in their you know who are mature, you know, we uh, we look for them to help us um, mentor the kids and, and, and coach them and those kinds of things. And if they're interested in flying, uh, we 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 do try to provide some financial incentives to help them learn. I mean, we can't help them at the level that we do the youth. But at the same time, um, we, we uh, are uh, promised some funding from uh, MJ Murdoch uh, that uh, will allow us to grow our instructor core. So, what does that mean? We're looking for some folks who are committed to Washington, you know, the, the you know, to state to of Washington, the Puget Sound, uh, and, you know, aren't trying to leave, right? And, and so that we can invest in them. Um, as as private pilots or whatever, so that we can grow them into instructors, so that we can have more adult flight instructors, which will allow us to have more capacity to uh, train more youth. Uh, okay,
0: Jesse, I want to thank mm-hmm. you very much. We're, we're out of time, but just to give it to our folks, if they go to uh, uh, Google Red Tail Hawks, they can get this information.
5: No, no, no.
7: red tail Hawks Flying Club. If you just do red tail Hawks, you're just going to get a bird. You got okay, to nice. red tail Hawks Flying Club. Flying Club. Okay, then.
0: Okay, Jesse, thank you very much, man. We appreciate all the work you're doing with the folks, too. All right, but thank you for your time. Okay, and your Okay, support. Jesse Hayes, right. fourth president of the red Tail Hawks Flying Club chapter in Seattle, uh, doing wonderful things. I just want to take a minute to, to uh, acknowledge a guy I used to work with. I was hoping that his nephew... Uh, the famous Jason Terry would call Jeff Terry passed away a week or so ago. And I worked closely with Jeff at uh, when I was the owner of Traction Systems Incorporated. Uh, Jeff Terry led our business to being uh, nationally recognized. Uh, if anybody's went in the Navy, they've heard of the Captain Edward Nye Award. Uh, through Jeff's leadership, our company won that award three year, consecutive years, would have won it four, but they had to remodel a facility so we couldn't compete. But we did get high honors. Uh, Jeff also, as I, as I indicated, it was an uncle of Jason Terry. And when Jason was at Franklin High School, Jeff said, I think the company should send Jason uh, to this basketball camp, which we did. And uh, the rest is just history. And uh, Jason now is assistant head coach at Arizona, and I'm sure he'll be the head coach real soon. He had a stellar uh, nba career but uh jeff terry was a man of god uh he could do some phenomenal things uh, i would talk loud and make noise and jeff terry could get more information from somebody in two minutes than i could get in two years he had, but that persuasive soft-spoken ability uh to be able to convince people to uh, work with him so uh before we check out i just want to thank uh, uh uh, also, I want you guys to call J- Scott at Junk Be Gone. If you have some junk to get rid of, now's the time to do it. Scott's at 206-722-4285. And we want to thank the Port of Seattle uh, uh, Diversity Contracting Office of Me and Rice, uh, uh, Office of Labor Relations and Civil Rights for Leslie Jones, uh, the City of Seattle Personal Construction Services Office Liz Alzier, Concourse Concessions Jay Fukuhara. uh Stephanie Ogle does our website, and SeaTac Bar Group, Bar Group with Rod O'Neill and Jerry Whitson. And uh, we'll catch the commercial next time around, Eric. Thank you very much for what you've been doing. Hey, what, I'll talk to you later. And uh, we'll talk to you again next Thursday.